Welcome to the ninth episode of the Food Can Fix It podcast. I'm your host, Marianne Stixit from EAT. Today, we're joined by Bangladeshi entrepreneur Shafinaz Hossein, who co-founded Foodfresh while she was an undergraduate. Foodfresh is an affordable, solar-powered storage solution for smallholder farmers, which can help tackle post-harvest loss. Shafinaz is also one of 25 young leaders working for Thought for Food, an NGO dedicated to engaging and empowering the next generation of innovators. Shafinaz talked to us about how Foodfresh came about, the challenges and opportunities facing young female entrepreneurs, and some of the innovative solutions emerging to fix our food system, including a new youth initiative that employs used tea leaves from market stalls to produce mushrooms in shanty towns. So, dear Shafinas, welcome to the Eat podcast. We're delighted to receive you uh, just fresh off the Eat Stock on Food Forum stage, where you presented your fascinating startup called Food Fresh. Now, can you tell us a little bit more about it? Um, first of all, thank you for, for having me here. It is a great opportunity to be speaking in front of all these people, and I've never dreamt of doing that. So that is a big thing for me, huge thing. Um, as far as my startup goes, uh, it is a solar-powered mechanical uh, uh, refrigeration uh, unit. So basically, it is an alternative to mechanical refrigeration. In Bangladesh, we do not, like all the parts of Bangladesh, do not have access to electricity, which is a problem because we do not or we cannot maintain uh, cold chain along our transportation or after our, you know, harvest. So for us, it's, it's about ensuring um, portability, so that it can be transported not just from the fields, but along the whole supply chain to the market vendors and finally to the consumers. So we wanted to get the food, the fruits and vegetables into the closed system so that it is well preserved and that the 30% post-harvest loss goes down a bit. So I think um, that is what that is the problem that we wanted to address. So like I said, it is a solar-powered alternative which is totally off the grid, runs on sun, so very sustainable, and it works on natural cooling system. So we just use like an ice medium to sort of cool down the vegetables for about like 7 to 10 degrees Celsius, and it lasts for, again, about a week. And it, of course, differs for a different kind of produce. But for now, we have been able to get a green light from like summer tomatoes and cucumbers. And then we're going to move on to more leafy vegetables uh, like lettuce or cabbage. So, yeah, it's it's a solar-powered alternative. And tell me about who who is behind this we? Because we listen to your product and we think, oh, this must be scientists and techies who've been in the business for years and years and years. But actually... It's not. (laughs) (laughs) It is just four young... I wouldn't even say women. It's just four young girls. We're all like from the age of 24 to 25. Wow. And we started off, I think, when we were 22, 21. Yeah, 22, I think. So just like two years back, uh, we were in the third year of our undergrad program and we were just yeah yes and we were tasked to do this project for a course called Bangladesh studies I think so we had to go back to our village home to our roots and look for a business opportunity from that place so um, it was me and my three friends we went back to my village and then we started looking at this farms and farmers and how things were done and 
I was I remember telling them that you know what my father used to bring me into the into his village home and it is funny how it's always the same set of people using the same set of technology still using cows for plowing the fields and all that and it's it's just made me curious why as to there hasn't been any change in that it's it's the same farmer who just got a bit older same set of children who again got a bit older but it's it's the same faces there are no new faces no new technology so i felt um I, I felt like a responsibility that I need to do something since it's it's my village home and it's so close to me. And so from that, we started thinking about, okay, let's, since we're business students, let's turn this into an opportunity. And that's how it started. We got back to our professors like, okay, this is the thing that we want to do. And we have a business idea, but we're not sure of the science behind it. We have looked up on research and we're sure it works in Africa and India. So maybe similar climate, weather, why shouldn't it work in here? And then from there, it sort of started. And then we got to know about this competition where we thought, okay, let's let's put ourselves in. And then from there, it sort of um, solidified and we got the funding. And then I would where say... Where did you get the funding from? So it's from Thought for Food, which uh-huh. is a nonprofit organization. It's funded by Syngenta and a lot of other... Um, Big ag companies. So you won a prize from them, is that how? Yeah, you won the competition, $10,000. Took it home. Good stuff. Yeah. And used it for R&D principally. Uh, So what we saw was that a lot of business, after getting seed funding, would just get their business incorporated and trademarks and all that. And a lot of money would be lost in that, but not into the actual work of research and sending things through. So we wanted to do things a bit differently and make sure that we have the product first before we want to get it to the market. So uh, we sort of invested in that, in in R&D, getting the uh, engineers and food technologists to make sure that the product is right and that our product is not responsible for the degradation of fruits and vegetables. So we wanted to make sure that those are done. Uh, So we got our prototyping gaming strong and we now have like the third prototype, which uh, works good for summer tomatoes and cucumbers. Uh, so, like I would say, now we sort of have like a a, a solid prototype going. Uh, of course, it needs a bit more tweaking and and changes. But uh, if we were to get a facility where we can sort of replicate it, I think this is like a good uh, way to go. Is there a reason why you chose tomatoes and cucumbers to start off with? Of course. Uh, firstly, it's it's of high water content. So that's that's the sort of vegetables that spoils easily in Bangladesh because when the farmer picks this produce from the field, he would just like throw it or around like a under a tree. So, um, and not much of a shed or the sunlight would fall directly on the produce and it would degrade really easily. And then when it would have been, it would were to transfer to the crates, again, there would be a lot of loss because of the handling process, the tomatoes would get squashed and all that. So uh, we wanted to get something that is portable, that is not too big. So it's it's easily transferable. So our uh, insulated bag that we have is sort of like a one meter cube kind of space dimensions so we're just uh, we're gonna like load the crates into it it's insulated 
using the simple styrofoam boxes. So we're just going to put the crates in and then the bag is going to be transported straight from the fields to the truck to the market vendors and finally the consumers would be able to purchase from that. So to answer to, uh, your question, I think uh, the reason behind choosing those vegetables was because of their spoilage rate. And uh, so how... Um so, so this is a product for both smallholder farmers and market vendors, right, really. Right, right, right. How, um, can you describe a little bit about what, what sort of challenges they're facing in their working conditions that, 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 that sort of prompted you to, to develop this? So with farmers, I would say that they would produce a lot of um, product, a lot of like fruits and vegetables. Uh, production was not is not a problem at this moment, especially when it comes to tomatoes and, and cucumbers, things like that. There is always bumper production, that's the word we use. And But when it comes to uh, the consumers receiving the product, we see that they're, they have to pay a huge price, a huge markup for, for these vegetables because one third of it or half of it is lost from the field and then coming to the uh, all the way from the, to the supply chain and finally to the market vendors so it One is a, third. right yeah. so it is a burden on the farmers because mm-hmm. he is putting all these inputs and his money and cash into producing let's say 100 kilos of uh, tomatoes but he's only being able to sell 40 kilos and then this 40 kilos would be transported to um, the market vendors and he would probably be able to sell 20 kilos. So there is a huge loss in terms of quantity and um, which is why we wanted to sort of preserve that. So for both the farmers end and the market vendors end, it is the loss of produce and which means the loss of money for them. Mm. So, so it's and not also ethically for society. When you think of how many millions of, how many people right. are, are suffering from 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 undernutrition? Do you know in in, in Bangladesh? I'm sure it's. A um, I wouldn't exactly be able to give you yeah. a number as of now, but uh, I would say many. I mean, mm. uh, of course, it has improved the maternal mortality mm. or the Sunday children. This also has improved, um, yeah. and we have been able to take off those um, social indicators um, for the last like. 10, 20 years. But if you ask me, is there more to be done? Of course. Mm. Uh, there's still a lot of, of girls who are getting married at the age of 15, 16, and they're having kids at the age of 18, 19. And for them, it's it's all about, I mean, they're not properly I mean, uh, you know, healthy yet to be yeah. able to have children or something like that. Mm. And then when these girls become mothers and they would give birth to these stunted children, and so they would eat a lot of food, rice i would say but are they getting the right nutrition i don't think so so uh, that is of course a problem at the consumer level that mm. i think we have been able to eat um, in terms of quantity at least three meals a day two meals a day it's not as bad as it used to be but of course not the proper nutrition or not in proper amount still much to be done now how many how uh, on how many um farmers and vendors have you been able to test your product out yeah so far how many how many have you been able to reach out to so um we have been uh, going to this fields through USAID, who is one of our uh, uh, partner. So we, uh, the USAID's uh, Feed the Future project works for 20 disaster-prone districts in Bangladesh, which is basically in the southern region of Bangladesh, because that is more flood-prone. And so a lot of produce gets destroyed because of the flooding that we have during, let's say, July to August. So it'll be coming soon. Uh, God hope not. Okay. So yeah. Uh and then we would uh we were taking to those fields in an in, in area called Jashore 
in the southern part of Bangladesh, and we tested it on with um, one of the biggest tomato producers from that area. So um, f- field-wise, I think that is one of the biggest um, goal or list uh, item ticked off from the list. And we've been doing it in a lot uh, lots inside, I would say, close facilities. So we have... Uh, we have like a professor from UC Davis who's been uh, working with us for some time. Um, and um, so he sort of um, made this uh, like unit for us and we've been testing it uh, more like indoor facilities and then we would just take it on the fields and see how it works. Mm-hmm. But uh, not to many farmers as of now. Um, so I would say, yeah, two, three, like big farmers and then another, um, five to 10 market vendors. Um, and it's, it's interesting how it works, I think, better for the market vendors, because that is sort of the amount that each of these vendors would have with them to sell for the day. So one meter cube is, is like the perfect dimension for them to be able to fit their, uh, their uh, fruits and vegetables that they want to sell for the day. Mm-hmm. With farmers, uh, with big farmers, it's it's a problem because they have they produce a lot. And mm-hmm. with small farmers, they wouldn't produce that much. But we're sort of trying to push the shared facility kind of thing that maybe two, three small farmers could use a uh, one unit of food fresh so that it's it's more business viable for them. And then the product is is not lost. Now, what are the what are the uh, challenges for all entrepreneurs? You're going to go through at the start of a of 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 of, of launching a new product. There's going to be pitfalls. There's going to be challenges. What are some of the ones that you've encountered, and that if you were to sit down with with other young entrepreneurs, you would tell them, "Don't do this." <laughs> Lessons so, learned so far. Yeah, um, the f- uh, the one problem I would say is that all the co-founders of Food Fresh are female. And uh, it's unfortunate to say that we were not taken seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming uh, like an idea coming from four uh, women in agriculture and and not even scientists or anything, just business graduates, I think. Um, uh, yeah, we were we were not taken seriously initially. It's especially in our country where uh, women do not feel as as empowered as of yet. Uh, but of course, this like I mentioned during my presentation, this backing from the community, from the international communities that we've received, um, is is great. And um, uh, after we went back, uh, it was it was funny how the same airport officers who stopped us from traveling because we were traveling alone four girls were traveling alone from the country were there uh with flowers to welcome us when you came back with fun- yes financing yes, yes. and we had this you had a big fat statue. check with us oh. yes it was like ten thousand dollars written did on you have it. it under your arm when you yeah came off yeah the- <laughs> i was like i'm gonna take this <laughs> so we took it and we went all through the airport security and stuff and and uh i mean i almost choked up seeing that that just you know this men in uniform waiting for us, the same ones who stopped us uh, from, you know, passing the airport security when we were off to Lisbon, where the summit took place. And yeah, so they were like there to welcome us with flowers. And then, yeah, it was, it was lovely. Um, so, of course, it's, it's changing. But I, I think for the young people, it's it's the fact that uh, often we're not taken seriously. Yeah. And and for a lot of people, it's just a random idea that we cooked up in our heads and, and or we just 
doing it for fame or or something like that so yeah um mm. that is one unfortunate but i have to be like you mean you have to be resilient mm. and just you know say that this is what i believe in and i am going to achieve it and just keep on going right now youth is actually and this has come up a couple of times in your answers now youth is important to you obviously right. you, you 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 represent the group but it, you're also you also go beyond that you're not just doing your own project but you're also it seems particularly um, you attach a great deal of importance to getting youth involved in, in the agricultural space. Why is that? I mean, we are the future. Um, of course, there are far more experienced people at this moment in this world. Uh, but um, there would be a point where they would need to sort of give up the stage and, and make some way for us to move in. Because, um, I mean... That that time has to come. Change is inevitable, so uh, it's important that we give sufficient training and and courage to these young people, so that they feel confident going up to that stage and taking the same spot of those experienced people, and and be able to do justice for for what they have done for us. So um, I feel like youth should not be taken lightly. They should be taken more seriously and and be heard. Uh, which is why, since, uh, as you mentioned, that I represent youth and, and I represent um, a next generation leader of my community and of these people in agriculture, I feel it's my responsibility that I get this voice transported from Bangladesh, from Southeast Asia, if you may, to here, to this global platform, so that uh, people know that there is a group out there who's, who's as passionate as they are and who's as you know, involved in this cause as as they would like us to be. Mm, and I think, and, and especially having having that youth um, uh, engagement within the the agricultural space, where we in, in many countries we're seeing that it's a profession that's losing its attractiveness, and and, and rural areas uh, are, are, are losing their population due right. to migration to cities and all the rest of it. So making that sector as well uh, seem like an attractive. A prospect for 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 youth uh, is also is also an important uh, is also an important element of your work. I think absolutely, absolutely, yes, mm. yes. You're also involved in, in a project called Super Shroom, is right, that right? Right. What's that? So it's it's not my business. Mm. So um, I've been like a group of students sort of knocked me one day in Facebook Messenger and it's like, hey, can you help us with this? We have this idea that we want you to look at it if you think that there is any any um, anything that we can do with it. So I sort of read through their business plan and it's it's so unique in the sense that it is um, common mushroom production, which is c- common in the sense that it's common in this part of the world, but in Bangladesh, it's not so common. And what's unique about them is they want these mushrooms to be farmed at the slums. So in Bangladesh, there is a lot of like shanty towns or a slum kind of area where the people do not earn much. And this would be sort of like an extra income for them because mushroom doesn't take much space to grow. It doesn't even need that much of care. So, And they want to do it on a used tea leaf base. So they want to get the tea leaves from these uh, tea stalls that we have around the streets. So Bangladesh has a lot, lot of tea. Yes, and, tea and street food. Mm. So there's a lot of tea and all that and they just want to gather these tea leaves. Get rid of the food waste. Exactly. And then bring them to the slums where they would uh, give the 
tea leaves and then the inputs required for mushroom production and uh, just collect it from them after it's done. So it's, it's sort of like a buyback promise as well. Mm-hmm. So I loved the concept of how it comes around in full circle. You take waste, you create something and then you give them a promise that I'm going to buy back and sell it for you. So that's uh, an ingenious concept. That I is love an ingenious it. concept. That's exactly. Very, very, so very I cool. felt really motivated to be able to do something for them. And yeah, I've been mentoring them, just helping them with some contacts that I may have mm-hmm. so that they're able to knock on the right doors and, and get what they need. So right now I'm, uh, I do not think they need funding or anything, but they just need more of guidance in terms of the market as to where, uh, where exactly to start from and, and what is the exact things that needs to be done. So yeah, they're, they're still in a, a very novice stage, but yeah, I feel like this is going to be the next big thing. What a fantastic idea. Are these also business students or are they... No, they're international relations students. Oh, yeah, so interesting. Art student, but it's it's amazing how, yeah. like I said, it's amazing to see how the youth think about agriculture mm. and mm-hmm. food and and yeah and and this like it seems might seem like a bizarre idea, but it, it'll all. work. Not yeah, at all. Do you think it's because food plays a uh, an important role in your culture? I would say so. Yes, yes. Mm. Um, this is when I mean it's true for I guess every country, right, but every country, yeah. But. So this is the time when the whole family would come together and we have this like a lot of parties, which we call them like dawats. Mm -hmm. So where like the whole extended family would like come. It's like your aunts and your cousins and then people you've not never seen them before. And they would just gather up around the table and we would have this like rice and curry and lentil soup and all that. So, yeah, that sounds lovely, (laughs) which actually brings me nicely to our final question, which we ask all our guests who come on here, because it is all about finding uh, healthy, sustainable, and also tasty solutions. If it's not tasty, then it's not a solution. And so we like to ask our guests, when you invite friends and family over for dinner for a healthy and tasty meal, what do you like to cook for them? Uh, so I'm not a very good cook. Uh, my mother is, fortunately. <laughs> what would you have your mother cook for them? <laughs> <laughs> so we have this delicacy called biryani. I, yeah, yeah. You're our second Splendid. guest who mentions biryani. Splendid, I tell you. Mm. It's, it's one of the best things that one can ever eat. Mm. So usually we have the best ones cooked during the wedding. So wedding is another big festival in, in Bangladesh or in parts of India. So we would have this biryani cooked with the best... Um, rice which we call basmati rice and then just mutton or beef and it's slow cooked and and it's it's like there's like bits of potatoes and yummy goodness so yeah for all our listeners out there who can't see it Shafina's just got a dreamy look in her (laughs) face when she started describing her biryani that her mother makes so that sounded absolutely delicious absolutely thank you very much for taking the time to talk to Shafina's and for our listeners out there if there's anyone who wants to get in touch with her if you want to help Food Fresh along the way financially or if you want to find out more about Supershroom, then get in touch with us and we would love to facilitate this, uh, these, incredible, these incredible new innovations. Best of luck and thank you again for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you. That concludes our final podcast episode, recorded on the sidelines of the Eat Stuck on Food Forum 2018. For further inspiration, check out our website, eatforum.org, for blogs, articles and videos, notably featuring some of our podcast guests. In the studio with me today was producer Gustav Glomsetz. I'm Marianne Stickset. 
and you've been listening to the Food Can Fix It podcast produced by EAT.